Welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan Clark. This is Nate Novero. And this is Shannon Etheridge. And we are back with episode three, and we have talked to Bill Staten again at the Just Sex Conference, sponsored by the Alliance of Baptists in Nashville, Tennessee, and on the campus of Vanderbilt Divinity School. I love it whenever we talk to Bill Staten. He is such an interesting guy, and you just never know what he's going to say. Well, yeah. here's, here's the thing. He can read people's mail like nobody's business because he could totally pick up that you had an old man crush on him. <laughs> I did. It, it is easy to be enamored with him. He's so intelligent and so brilliant. And disarming. Very disarming. Very disarming for... I'm trying to think of an arm joke and I I froze. You know what? I'm getting flustered again. I'm getting flustered again because I'm thinking about Bill Staten in which I was flustered during Do the podcast. Do you know why you're lo- getting so frustrated by this old sexual man? My man Let's crush. just admit it. He is who we all want to be when we grow up. Yeah. That's yeah. the crush part. That's the enamorment. Is that a word? Enamorment? Yeah. You know, if Enamorment. It is now. If I could say something, <clears throat> if and, and before we go into it, I just want to say something really quick about the, the Just Sex Conference and then meeting Bill Staten. Um, I, I love that we were involved with the Just Sex Conference because, you know, to me, this was going to be a forum of some of the most provocative and bold ideas from people of faith, from people of psychology, science, just very learned individuals. And... Among those voices, we meet Dr. Reverend Bill Staten, and he talks so frankly about sex that I'm just caught off guard. I don't even know what to do with myself standing next to this guy. You don't even, is it that you don't know what to do with it because he's a pastor or just like, or because he's an old man or what? You know, I don't know. There's like a Mr. Rogers thing going with the sweater. There's like, um, and, you know, the, he has this, like, this smile because, like, he's saying stuff he knows that gets me, like, whoa. And, and, and he can say it because, like, it's in the context of education and higher learning. So, no? he's, so he's like a combination of Mr. Rogers, Dr. Ruth, and Howard Stern. Would you agree? Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'd, I'd actually say some Hugh Hefner there, too. I just have to say <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for those of you at home, we're talking about Dr. Bill Staten, who our listeners heard on in season one, talk very bluntly, without any shame whatsoever, on in any topic around sexuality. And so we bumped into him again at this Just Sex Conference. And we're in a talkback session with him and the attendees of the conference at this Baptist beer garden. Those exist. That was my first Baptist beer garden. I, I think that that is hysterical, by the way. Kind of like jumbo shrimp. Who ever heard yeah. of a Baptist beer garden? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was a great opportunity for Touch Podcast to set up all of our equipment and let the cameras roll and capture some really great interviews. So I think over the next several weeks, we're going to be airing some of these interviews, right? That's right. And we're starting with Bill. Um, he was the first one we talked to uh, during the co- talk back session. Yeah, and when we started, I remember you know Ryan and I were talking briefly about the the lineup, Shannon, of who should be going first. And um, originally, Ryan had uh, Bill Staten lined up towards the end because he's he's such a big hit. And and then I told him it's like no no put him about the beginning. Let's. Put him in the beginning. He'll be the icebreaker. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and we have to warn you, these interviews will most likely make some people feel very uncomfortable and that's okay. You don't have to agree with everything that everyone says to get a lot out of the conversation. So just open your mind and chew up the meat and spit out what you consider to be bones, but have the conversation with us. And just as a warning on this episode, this episode has some graphic language and graphic Im sexual images referred to um, from one end of the body to the other. Um, so <laughs> be sure that um, uh, the little ones are not listening. Um, but you will find out on this episode the difference between a cervix and a clitoris. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm discovering that I'm needing the support of other conversations. The support of conversations who understand where I came from, with, from church culture, but I also understand like that there is a search that I had to have with my body. And sometimes having that's a very scary thing to do. And a lot of us may be having this search on our own because we're people of faith and these are all of our secrets, but we're having this out loud. So to model for you guys that you can be upfront about this and it can be as light as having a beer and having a conversation. So we hope to do that with some of the folks here. Um, I'm really excited to do this with Bill Staten. Bill Staten was one of our guests in, in Touch Podcast Season 1, and he spoke today, and a whole lot of people here would love to hear from Bill Staten. So mm -hmm. can you please join us, Bill, here in the middle school? We are all going to have a chance to ask Bill a question. So I'm going to start us off with a question or two. Um, and so just think about your question, Ryan, and we have, we'll have a chance to get to you. Um, but I just have to give my reaction to you. For those of you at home who have not heard Bill speak before, um, my goodness, you, you look like a grandfather. Uh, and you Great grandfather. <laughs> Great grandfather. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and yeah, the way you talk about sex, oh man, I get really, I'm so taken aback by the honesty. Um, I get uncomfortable with the honesty, as you can tell. Sometimes you know, I get a little uncomfortable. Get turned on. I get turned <laughs> on. <laughs> no, that would be me over here. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm with you. All right. I'm, wi I'm wiping my brow, folks. I'm wiping my brow. Okay. Nate doesn't know what to do with that information. Okay. Here, I'm going to start off with a confession. All right. Here's a confession. When, when Bill was on our, our podcast, um, we had a conversation that Ryan edited out on the, on the podcast editing floor. And I don't know how the conversation got to this, but we started talking about like being able to love your body. And at some point, I don't know who mentioned it, but it came. The subject came about tasting your own semen, and and, and smelling your own odor. <laughs> yeah, and then I was oh, like, yeah. And I, my response was, "Really? You talk about that? You can do that? You can do that? <laughs> and feel okay about it?" <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, would you, I actually don't know what else to say after that. I, this is the type of question I bring to Bill Staten. What about tasting your own semen? <laughs> and then that's all I can say. I don't know what well, else to say about that. Let, let me say, too, that I was telling Bill this during a break. Of all the 16 episodes that were recorded in season one, um, I sent the one with Dr. Staten 
to my 23 and 26 year old children saying, I know that you're tired of hearing mom talk about sex after all these years, but this is one conversation I really want you to listen to because this guy says so many of the things that if I could rewind the tape and do it all over again, this would be the kind of stuff that I wish I had included. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of us who don't know what we don't know for giving us vocabulary to talk about things that would normally be pretty awkward, but you make it so not awkward. Yeah. How do you do this, Bill Staten? All right, let's shut power? up and let him answer now. Yes. <laughs> Jeez, let's actually ask him a question. You're right. Ask, a normal question. I'm, flum- I'm kind of like, I'm kind of flustered here. And I'm I'm yeah, I'm flummoxed. Um, Shannon, please start with the real question <laughs> as I'm getting over my jitters. I would like to know. Or your erection. Or <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I would yeah. like to know, who have your teachers and mentors been? Who, whose shoulders have you stood on to borrow a question from Lindsay's workshop today? That's a great question because my major teachers have been my students and my clients, mm-hmm. not books. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, except for I Thou when I was in <laughs> seminary. Uh, but the things I remember most are the stories that have been told to me that have enriched me and where my clients are really my teachers, even though I may lead them through a therapeutic process, or my students, who I may lead through an educational process, but it's their stories that feed me and, and help me to grow. Plus, I read the scientific literature so that I'm science-based, uh, science-based you know, fact. <laughs> That's fantastic. So who... Of all of the clients that you've worked with, who stands out the most as being, maybe they were a challenge at first and you weren't sure if you could crack that nut, but you man, and I don't mean that, that that was probably, that was a horrible <laughs> expression to use in the in this context of this conversation. It sounds masculine to me. <laughs> it was not meant to be a reflection of their mental health. Um, but is there somebody in particular that you really learned a lot from their journey, just being a witness Well, the couple that come to my mind is an Asian couple that came to me who both had PhDs in science. And they came to me because they were not able to have a sexual relationship that was any way meaningful to them. And what I found out in talking with them over a period of time is that they were trying to have intercourse through her urinary passage. Ow! Thinking that the vagina was only for the birth canal. And so she was in such pain trying to have intercourse through her urinary urinary tract. And, And here are two people well-educated, you know, in the science field who had this level of ignorance and inability to deal with it. And they had been married seven years. And they had gone to I don't know how many doctors and therapists to deal with this. I mean, that's probably one of the most outstanding cases that really comes to mind about how important knowledge and communication 
and dealing with any trauma is. And tell us a little bit more about how you got into the field of work that you're in. Did you start out being a sexolo- a sexy sexologist? <laughs> well, you can I, say yes I, to one I, part and no, no to I, the I, other. I've always been curious about sex. Always. Uh, throughout my life. And I'm an only child. And, and I remember asking my parents once about just about sex. And my dad left the room. And my mom turned to me and she said, Bill, you'll know. (laughs) God will tell you. So I became a minister. (laughs) Went to Andover Newton and still didn't get the divine revelation. So then I thought, well, maybe psychology, because I always wanted to be a psychologist. So I went to Boston University and got a degree in counseling and therapy and uh, theology. And all I learned there was that sex was sick. So that I learned that sex was sinful and sick, and that I was both sick and sinful. Sick, sick and sinful. And so then I became a sexologist and got the divine revelation. And I'm here. <laughs> Giving us all divine revelation. <laughs> but, but in a sense, that's a funny story, but it's true. That's the sad thing. So that's what really then kind of stirred my interest. And then when I was in the pastorate, for five years at the First Baptist Church of Gloucester, Massachusetts, which I loved. I was there after five years. They asked me, the kids at, well, first of all, people came to me with their sexual problems, which I didn't even know existed, you know. I, and so I'd sit there and listen to them, and i think, oh, my God. And I'd go home, and I'd say to my wife, you know what I heard today? And she, I would tell her, and she'd say, you know, I've been meaning to tell you. It's called coming before you're called. <laughs> wow. That's true. This is a true story. And we've been married five years. Wow. Plus, my sex educator was a fifth grader when I was in the fifth grade. He was sixth grader when I was in the fifth grade. And he said, Bill, do you want to know how to turn on a girl? And I said, what's a girl? No. (laughs) No. I said, sure, you know. And he says, well, underneath there are three holes. You find the middle one, stick your finger in all the way to the end, and you tickle it, and you'll turn on any girl. I was married five years. And my wife said, don't shoot. Never touch me there again. <laughs> and here I thought I was the world's best lover because Champ Allen had told me. <laughs> and, and so I would reach for the clitoris, uh, for the cervix every time and tickle it. 
And she said, don't you ever do that again. So that was a real clue to me that I was ignorant. Maybe you didn't know everything you thought you knew. Right, right. And so then when people started coming to me with their problems and I found out that I'd had them too, you know, if American Baptist churches knew about me, they'd quit the convention. (laughs) But the convention will never abandon me. So this is, thank you so much for sharing your heart. And I I agree. One of the reasons why I'm I'm sharing this space with you is this is the space where I feel like I can grow and we can have this conversation. So thank you. Thank we you haven't talked about your erection yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We'll save that for some. Well, for a question for. I, I, I do so want to ask Bill one more question guy, if I, I can't could. Keep up with him. <laughs> well, we should well, switch you to questions. Flummoxed. <laughs> oh, I'm flummoxed. We, we should do question time that, with that, the group that, still. That's, that's true. That's true. But it's I do it's refractory ask, time. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> did I step over you? I'm sorry. I missed something. So. I know that a lot of people probably look at you and go, how can you be so comfortable talking about sexuality when most people are very uncomfortable talking about sexuality? And you've got a room full of, if there's some sort of sex educators or, or you know, people who aspire to be that, what advice do you have for people to just be more comfortable in their own skin representing the message of healthy sexuality? First of all, becoming comfortable with yourself and your own sexual being and seeing it as holy and good no matter what acts you get caught up in in as long as it's safe sane and consensual which is at the heart of our owl program um, I think that's important so we do training programs to help people become more comfortable with themselves as sexual beings. I think that becomes very, very important because if you don't love yourself, your body, you know, every part of your body, um, if, you're not, if you're not in tune with that, you can't expect someone else to love you or be attracted to you. Or love themselves. Or love themselves. And so... That becomes really important. You have to begin with yourself and your comfortability. And what's interesting is that once you become comfortable, people open up to you, and you may not even tell them what your training has been. Mm -hmm. I remember going through uh, my first sexual reassessment uh, seminar or workshop, and I came away having a whole new feeling about sexuality, myself, life. And that week, so many more clients began opening up to me in things they had never thought of talking with me about before. And I didn't even tell them what I'd done. And so you then become, once you are accepting of your own sexuality and you love your own body and your erections and your clitoris. And, <laughs> and the smells and the tastes. And the smells and the, and the, the tastes. And your yeah. ass, you know. The tastes. <laughs> we teach our kids how to wash their asses. I mean, this is really important stuff. <clears throat> because we're told so many of these things that are dirty. And they're not dirty. They're, 
there's as many erotic, erotic nerves going around your ass as going around your clitoris, going around your penis, going around your vagina. They're all connected. And if you, if you put away one, you know, you're going to have a hard time with the rest. I don't know whether you want to edit this out or not. <laughs> so we are, good. We are Everyone is so quiet that. listening to all this. Um, all right. So, so this is talk back. So who, talk wants, back who has a question or a comment? Question. or? Yes. Yeah, what do you say after that? Hi, my name is Caitlin Stout. Um, Bill, earlier today you made a comment about there being a biblical case for Jesus as a Kinsey three, and I would just love to hear more about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Great question. That's my favorite topic. Yes. Good question. When you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, you find that he relates in many ways to both males and females. He has love affairs with males. John for example. And with females, uh, the woman that he washed her feet and hair. She washed his feet. I just reverse it. <laughs> I could see him do That's my Y chromosome, you know. <laughs> um, but what you learn is that he was able to relate to females in the same way he was able to relate to males. And, you know, whether you make that a sexual thing or not is not really important as much as you see that he had to have that bisexual ability in order to do that. And as I say, as I work with ministers through the years, I learn that those who serve congregations really are in the 234 category of Kinsey. And whether or not they ever act out on it sexually is kind of irrelevant in, in many ways. Um, but it, the fact that they can communicate and be understood and felt that they're understood is a very important quality. And if a person is a zero or a six, they, don't, they have the ability to relate to that end of the continuum, but not to the full continuum, in my judgment. Now, this is my opinion, for whatever it's worth. Can I just mention for a minute, this is the first time I've heard anything like this, and I am tripping out. <laughs> what? Your refractory period is over. <laughs> Somebody else have a question for Dr. Satan? Yeah, yeah someone else while well, I'm still reacting. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. Now I'm in trouble. That was an awesome question. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Awesome question. I'm so glad you brought up that uh, whole bisexual piece. And there are a number of people who've written on that. I know. Uh, I mean, you know, lots of them. But I caught something you said about I and thou. Are you Booberian? Martin Buber? Martin Buber? Yeah, 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 yeah. So where would you place Buber in the... (laughs) In the <laughs> I'd put him in my continuum. Let, 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 let me finish my question. In the context of your belief systems last night, you talked about theologians, but you didn't name any. And I was wondering, where would Buber fit? Because there is a real connection that I make with this I and thou, with a lot of what you're talking about. It's the only book 
that I have kept from seminary that I still read and use for meditation. And it is absolutely the foundation for my own theory that we are sexual in all the dimensions of our relationships. And I think that is so important and so freeing and so repressed. Um, I, I, that's the first time I heard that too, and I'm blowing, my mind is blowing up. <laughs> I'm saying yes. You're looking for a blowjob. Yeah. yeah, that too. <laughs> that too, depending on the relationship. We've pointed out. Guys, wow, we're talking about sex. We're having like some, some real like doctorate, like some learned speech here. My goodness, this is different. I mean, I went to Burning Man. This feels different. My gosh. <laughs> My children go to Burning Man. Really? Yeah. That's a great place. Yeah. That, that's a free to- Freeing experience. Some question, question. Yeah, somebody else Free. have a question? Come on up. Bill, I've heard you uh, talk over the past couple of days about um, the importance and the centrality of people's fear and fears. Um, I'm a pastor. I'm a community leader. I'm a sexual being myself. I'm a... Um, so in all those capacities, how do we both as individuals working with ourselves and, and being you know, people of change, but also in our capacity as leaders in our context, how do we help people navigate the fears? Um, because I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that, that uh, fear and anger, um, hurt and sadness, like those can be as em- embodied emotions as sexual desire or sexual arousal. Um, and so I'm, I'm just wondering what wisdom you can offer us around fears. Well, as I said, I think one of the times I spoke, <clears throat> we're all ignorant, we're all secretive, and we're all traumatized at some level. And I tried to use my example of Kotex. Um, and that that has created so much anxiety around sex that it makes us to fear the whole, the whole issue. And so the real challenge to us becomes, one, how do we reduce the anxiety, and then how do we build the pathways to sexual you know, health and well-being? and responsible sexual behavior. Because I think the more we're knowledgeable, the more we're communicative in a very open and honest and and relevant way, the more we can deal with people's trauma that is on so many levels. And it's something that affects all of us that we can help to reduce that by talking about and providing positive experiences uh, for our, our kids and for our adults and for our older people. Some of my best students are retired people because they have lived under such a repressive system for so long, they're excited to learn after retirement that sex can be as good as it was when they were in their 20s and even better. 
I mean, I've been the married. The best is yet to come. No I've been married intended. 64 years, <laughs> and it's still hot and wet and <laughs> all the good stuff, you know? Yeah. My name is Jennifer, and I was just wondering, what is a question that you never get asked or a question that you wish people asked you that you want to share about? I wish that they would ask me about the things that they fear most and that they're most secretive about. Because just in the telling of it is a freeing and health-producing experience. So that would be... Because there's nothing I haven't heard. And, and, And I have been enriched just by being a part of their telling it. And I've learned so much by being able just to respond as an authentic person. And I think authenticity is another thing that is so important. If you're not an authentic person, I mean, in this Me Too thing, my pastor, uh, two weeks ago, when all this thing erupted, uh, said, from the pulpit, I was abused as a boy. the congregation and you know what we had a meeting afterwards and we had over a hundred people attend that to a me too meeting at our church so it's being vulnerable to your people and being open and honest and authentic that becomes really an important ingredient Mm -hmm. wow thank you um Please give him a hand. I mean, he's, he's, thank you so much for coming to this conference. And um, he is a wonderful person. Are yes. yes, we are lovers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, he is a wonderful person to include in your conversations at your churches and your groups and your retreats, whatever you're having. Um, keep him on your Rolodex. Yes, and so that is Bill Staten, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Nate, I don't blame you a bit for getting a little shut down. Um, to have someone sitting that close to you talking about how the nerves around your anus um, have are just as many as those around the other parts of your genitals. And at, at some point, we do have to describe specifically the difference between a service and a clitoris, because I promised that in the beginning. Well, I, t- I promised you guys in, in episode one that I would probably be waving flags for when I knew the conservative listeners were like squeezing their butt cheeks really tight. And that was probably one of those parts that it, it's a little shocking to hear someone talking about nerve endings in the anus. It just is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just so I'm going to hear some if you guys weren't there watching it. Um, what was going on with me is I literally froze. I got petrified a few times and I had to look to Shannon to, and she read me like a book, which was great. And so thank you, Shannon, for being a champion and pushing us through. But yeah, there are times in which I was literally just speechless and I just, you know, it's a mixture of excitement. It's a mixture of fear. And, um, it's simply just felt like a new freaking emotion. Yeah, well, it was the equivalent of being on a roller coaster. It was terrifying and exhilarating at the same time, this conversation that he led us through. Because it is very shocking, but yet refreshing to hear a pastor, a spiritual leader, 
have such open, honest dialogue. Um, that this is what we've been clamoring for, but yet when you get it, it can be really, um, it, it can throw you off your game. So I, I totally had your back, pal. I could tell that you were just like, oh. <laughs> it was it was pretty hysterical to watch just from yeah, you know, from sure. my angle. Uh, but I totally, I mean, I could feel it a little bit too, yeah. um, especially when I was interviewing Bromley McClelligan. I always get her name mixed up. I thought it was McClanahan and Bromley McClelligan. Uh, I felt a little that starstruck thing going on of just, wow, you have a really intelligent body of work out there. And when you're interacting with people that you greatly admire and want to learn from, the cat can get your tongue. So, yeah. yeah. So, Ryan, you want to explain the difference between the cervix and the clitoris? Yes, I, I would Ryan. love. I would love to. So, um, the uh, cervix is, uh, and then the clitoris is... <laughs> you, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, just waiting for Ryan to like pull out a diagram or something. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Yeah, for the that. clitoris is uh, uh, toward the top. He's the little man in the canoe that you see. Is and then uh, the cervix, cervix is up in there. You, he, he's uh, like the the lifesaver. It's like the lifesaver that's been plunged down deep. Yeah, you since you're using ocean and boat analogies. Yeah, he's the yeah. That's that's up in there. I've never heard this canoe thing. That sounds brilliant. The man in the canoe. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can I can visualize a head and of a dude in a canoe. Yeah. That's the clitoris, and then the cervix is up in there. I don't I don't know why. I just have to say I I don't know if it's clitoris or if it's clitoris, but clitoris. let's just oh, call yeah. it a clit. <laughs> let's just call yeah, it a clit. Someone you needs know, to. I thought... If you know, if you happen to be an authority on how to pronounce that word. Authority. Well, I thought it was clitoris because clitoris sounds more dinosaur-like. <laughs> the clitoris. Exactly. But the clitoris. 400 like... million BC, the clitoris roams North America. <laughs> its footprints can still be seen in Nevada. Yeah. And yeah. the occasional bone rises from the sand. <laughs> Yeah, you see how I got bone. I got, I got all the way to bone. I, yeah. I noticed that you worked the word bone into that conversation. Yeah. So yeah, is this who we want to be when we grow up? Is this the future of uh, people in ministry who really want to usher in an era of healing in our culture? Um, because I found that as shocking and disarming as he was, it was incredibly healing to just hear such a father figure, such a grandfather figure, be so comfortable in his own skin. And it's, it's like it gives us permission to be comfortable Wait, in our skin. There's safety around him. You know, I agree with you completely. I think being around someone like him, who, who's not only confident, but there's safety around him. Um, and that's something that he doesn't claim for himself. That's something that he embodies and people are drawn to. So I, I, think any, I think any person, man or woman, who can stand in the authority of their own safety, I feel we do have a certain calling to be honest in our sexuality because it needs to be seen as a light beacon um, for us to aspire for. Yeah, and I, he is so pastoral. Um he is such a non-anxious presence that he's able to 
even though he can he can joke with you and you know and he kind of got Nate flustered it was still a very caring presence to the group and and to Nate I have a question for Shannon because Shannon to me you are the most the most um confident and loud um and just unafraid to be in your sexuality and being a person of faith. So I, I think you're just of tremendous value to so many people whom I know who just need these new distinctions. At what point for you, Shannon, if there was, did you feel like, okay, I am confident enough or I, I do believe in myself enough where I can stra- I can stand in this authoritative figure and, and teach in this new way? Well, I think for me, I have to say, this is where I am so grateful for my upbringing in the church. I was raised in a church where it didn't matter what I did on Friday or Saturday night. On Sunday morning, I was going to be accepted. I was going to be loved. I was going to be cherished and hugged and celebrated. And when I started feeling a calling, you know, to, to begin speaking and sharing my testimony about my promiscuous teenage years, they gave me that platform and they cheered me on and they are still financial supporters of my women at the well ministry today. And so I feel as if the body of Christ and their positive response to what I was sharing really gave me that confidence, but I'm not going to say that every church has responded that way because no two churches are alike. Every church is unique. And whereas one church can be really, really comfortable and want those conversations and want those challenges, other churches are just not ready for that. And so um, it's been quite the journey over the past 25 years, um, you know, discerning which are the churches that I can really unleash and, and get really real with them and which ones do I need to kind of tiptoe on the eggshells and let them warm up because it, that's an art that you have to, that you have to learn as a speaker is how much is your audience really ready for? Interesting. And I do think that at the just sex conference, Bill Staten knew that he had a prime audience that was ready for all the stops to be un- unplugged. <laughs> that there was no reason to hold back with a whole room full of people who came to a just sex conference. <laughs> That's not the place where you need to tiptoe on eggshells or edit. So yeah, especially sitting next to a guy who was going to squirm at every word. <laughs> I'm a great prop. <laughs> I underline and boldface those points with my reactions. It's great. Well, something that he likes to come back to, and it's a, a point that I'd like to underline for this episode, is that stuff that is cultivated in secret secrecy and in darkness um, is going to be dysfunctional. And his whole, the reason he is so just blunt and open and will talk about anything is his firm belief that if you air it out, if you get that, get it out there in the light, then it can be cured, it can be healed, it can be whole. And, um, and that, and the, and that the shame, our shame and our secrecy and our, the way that we hurt each other sexually can't live if all of that is just as common as, as he would say, you know, talking about a loaf of bread. So that that's an important point, and I hope that you know we we can, uh, the podcast can be inspired by that point. Yeah, yeah, I think that he gave us all validation that we're on the right track with this touch podcast idea that just open these lines of communication and have the conversations that everyone's afraid to have. Uh, it's really refreshing. So yeah, let's continue on. 
who are, who are we going to be interviewing next week? Oh, yeah. In our next episode, we will be uh, listening to our interview at Just Sex Conference with ethicist Marvin Ellison, uh, uh, retired from 30 years at Union Theological Seminary, ethicist. And, yeah, we're really excited about that interview. Yeah, we certainly are. And for more information about us, go to touchpodcast.com to email us. Just go to info at touchpodcast.com. Instagram, we are at touch underscore podcast. And we're also on Facebook as Touch Podcast. So check us out. This is Nathan Overo. And this is Ryan Clark. And this is Shannon Etheridge. And we love you for listening.